With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome and thank you for downloading episode 141 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host as always, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered and shoot me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Well, folks, it's our first episode since the holiday season, and I hope all of you had a wonderful and safe holiday. We had a great holiday over here at Golf Unfiltered HQ, even though uh, Mrs. GU, uh, Kristen, came down with a, uh, I believe is a flu bug. Uh, she wasn't having too good of a time on Christmas Eve and even into Christmas, but unfortunately, uh, well, actually, I should say fortunately, she was able to power through it, and she still had a great time. We were able to hang out with friends and family. Hope you were able to do the same. And so today on the episode, we are going to read chapter six, actually, of The Bag Room, my self-published book back from 2011. And you may have noticed that we're skipping chapter five, and I'll explain why. It's kind of silly, but I believe it's it's appropriate in this case. When I wrote the book a few years ago, I wanted to also give a little bit of a vocabulary lesson in some of the language that my friends and I, my co-workers at Joliet Country Club uh, used while we were working. And you could probably imagine that when you're talking about a group of, you know, 14-year-old to about 20-year-old males, the language is pretty colorful. <laughs> it's very, very vulgar. And so when I wrote the book, uh, chapter five actually is only about a page and a half long. I included a list of some of the vocabulary that we used uh, very often. And rereading that chapter, I have to admit, admit it, it was terrible. It was very, very vulgar and almost to the point of, wow, I can't believe I actually put that in that book. But that being said, I made the decision to not include uh, this ch- chapter five into the audio recording of it, just because it is, it is vile. It is very bad. And so uh, for those of you who may ever get your hands on the actual manuscript of the bag room, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And trust me, folks, you're not missing out on anything other than perhaps a couple laughs. But um, who knows, maybe in the future we may go back as a bonus episode or something and read that. But I, uh, I, I can guarantee you it's pretty bad. So anyway, we're going to talk about and read Chapter 6 today, in which case uh, you're going to learn a little bit more about one of the assistant golf pros who goes by the name of Skip in the story. Um, at Joliet Country Club, or Alberton Country Club as we named it in the story, uh, we did a lot of gambling. I think that's pretty commonplace at most country clubs and golf courses in general. And uh, Skip was a individual that not only partook, or partaken, partook, whatever, uh, in most of the gambling, but also coordinated a lot of it, which you'll understand what I mean when we get into the chapter. And so I hope you enjoy it. But before we get into that reading, I also wanted to point your direction into something that we're, we're doing here at Golf Unfiltered. Those of you who have listened to this show, who have read the site for any length of time, know that uh, I do not receive any sponsorship money or anything for this, for Golf Unfiltered. 
That doesn't mean that there aren't costs associated with not only recording this podcast, but also hosting the website, hosting the the podcast on a hosting service. Uh, There's recording costs, there's equipment costs, all these things that I'm sure you could probably guess that go into making Golf Unfiltered what it is. And so I am reaching out to those of you who, if you like the show, if you like the website, I've created a Patreon webpage. And I've already got a couple patrons, and thank you to those of you who have contributed already. And if you've never heard of Patreon before, it's it's a very unique uh, website and service, I guess you could say, for people who create podcasts, websites, art, you know, all sorts of different things, music. And what it does is it allows their fans and fans of Golf Unfiltered, in this case, the opportunity to contribute on a monthly basis to help cover some of the costs that uh, I incur in creating this podcast. And so if you go out to Patreon, and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash golf unfiltered, you're going to see a list of different donation tiers that you can take advantage of and contribute to the show. And what's so great about Patreon and what they do so well is that for each donation tier, you're going to earn a reward. And some of the rewards that I've got set up there include being able to hear these podcast episodes before anybody else, a full 24 hours before it gets posted onto iTunes or Spotify. Uh, There's also, for some of the higher donation tiers, other rewards, which include a complete manuscript copy of the bag room sent to you electronically. And for the highest tiers, there's also some fun stuff that both myself and uh, Kristen, my wife, have agreed to do for those who want to contribute a little bit more. None of this is mandatory. It is highly appreciated, though, and we definitely hope that you go out to the Patreon website. Again, patreon.com slash golfunfiltered, and just consider contributing to the show. Okay, well, that's enough of that. I hope that you sit back, relax, and enjoy Chapter 6 of The Bag Room. The Bag Room by Adam Fonseca Chapter 6 Golf gives you an insight into human nature, your own as well as your opponent's. Quote by Grantland Rice Gambling on sporting events, card games, and rounds of golf was the norm in the Alberton Bag Room and Pro Shop. Whether laying down a few bucks on a round of golf or on the White Sox game that evening, you could almost always find another employee who was willing to take the wager. For the bagroom kids, this was as common as setting up the driving range or folding towels. Since we all earned a hefty amount of tips from the members, especially at golf outings or tournaments, we had a few extra dollars at the end of the day to bet against one another. As I grew older and more comfortable in the bagroom and among my fellow veteran and golf professionals, the number of wagers I was offered increased substantially. What used to be simple $5 bets on who would hit a golf ball from the bagroom onto a nearby green grew into full-fledged bookie businesses, ran entirely by assistant golf pro Skip. Skip was already involved in a pretty large gambling arrangement with other golf pros in the area, focusing mainly on sports like college football, college basketball, and the NFL. He had a small desk in the hallway between the bag room and the pro shop, where he would check scores on his computer in between assisting members and with their concerns throughout the day. He also kept a large notebook locked in the bottom drawer of his desk. This notebook, as I would later learn one particular summer, was a running log of wagers for upwards of 30 people and an obscene amount of money. 
As was the case of many local golf professionals, the country club business around Alberton wasn't exactly a booming industry and did not offer much money. While I knew the head pro brewer was making a pretty good living at ACC, his two assistant golf pros were making considerably less in terms of salary and tip compensation from the members. I remember Skip explaining to me one day that for every $100 of profit Brewer brought into the club, the two assistant pros would maybe see $10 on their paychecks. This was nothing new to the golf business, of course. The head pro was the boss for a reason, and it was certainly a position worth working toward, even at Elverton. But certain assistant pros needed to find other means to not only pay their bills during the golf season, but also do so during the off-season when the golf course wasn't open. The day I asked Skip about his notebook was a particularly slow Tuesday during the fall while I was still in high school. I was working the closing shift after school and an NFL game was planned for that Thursday evening. Skip seemed to be rather nervous throughout the day, which would turn into excitement in small spurts before ultimately returning to a high level of anxiety. This seemed odd to me since Skip was normally an even-keeled individual throughout the day and did not speak much to anyone unless spoken to. Today was different. He was rather talkative, moved around the building quickly, and was sweating more than normal. Furthermore, Skip would constantly bring up the football game that week in almost every conversation. Even at the age of 16, I could tell that Skip was in some sort of trouble, or that he was about to be very shortly. That's when I decided to ask him about the notebook, assuming this was the stem of his worry. As it turned out, I was right on the money. Pardon the pun. So... What's the deal with that notebook in your desk, Skip? And why do you keep it locked away like no one can see it? I already had a good idea that it had something to do with gambling, considering he would only look at the book on Saturday or Sunday mornings during football season. Silk, trust me, you don't want to get involved. Unless you watch football, of course. Skip always seemed to offer advice or wisdom to the bagroom boys before immediately offering a way to go completely against whatever advice he had just offered you. While he was definitely addicted to a few things in his life and likely had his monkey on his back, which he fought on a daily basis. I will never have a bad thing to say about Skip. He always meant well and tried his best to be more than just a boss to the bagroom employees. Of course, he was also going to give us the opportunity to learn from our own mistakes. After telling Skip that I was a huge football fan and even got involved in fantasy football every year, he agreed to show me the notebook. Be sure that this stuff doesn't leave the bagroom, Skip warned me because it isn't exactly the most legal thing in the world. At first glance, I really had no idea what I was looking at. The notebook appeared to be a highly random and intricate collection of pen and pencil gibberish. Colors and calculations Skip had obviously been compiling for years. Along the side of the notebook were small tabs with names written on each tab, presumably marking a dedicated section of the notebook for each individual Skip worked with. I recognized a few names as belonging to Elverton members, which sparked my interest even more as I looked over his document with wide eyes and silence. Skip explained that he collected wagers from golf pros in the area, members at the club, and even some of his friends on any type of sporting event, and recorded their progress in this book. He would then call his guy with the results of each wager after the respective game or event, and then either pay out or collect on the bet according to this notebook. So is this why you have been so damned jittery over the past couple of days? I asked Skip, already knowing the answer to my question, but wanting to try out my newfound sense of freedom regarding vulgarity. Skip nervously smiled and replied, Yeah, you can say that. 
here, take a look at my page. Skip flipped through the notebook a bit until he landed on a page covered in red ink. See all of that red? That's not a good color in the world of sports betting. Let's just say that I need a win tonight in the NFL game, and I need it bad. I kind of chuckled politely as I really didn't understand how badly Skip needed a win tonight until I looked down at the bottom of the notebook page. There it was, in red ink, glaring back at both Skip and me. Negative $7,000. I could feel my eyes getting wider as I allowed them to wander through the long list of wagers. Each line had a smaller red number and eventually went up to a number written in black ink. My eyes scrolled to the top of the page, which started with a black ink value of $3,000, which obviously decreased in specific increments until the nasty red number at the bottom. I didn't realize the severity of these numbers right away, but it eventually dawned on me that Skip had lost a total of $10,000 on this little operation he was running, up until now. This was the biggest amount of money won or lost that my inexperienced eyes had ever seen, and it frightened me a great deal. But for whatever reason, call it inexperience, call it stupid youth, it also excited me. How do I get in? Buying cigarettes with a fake ID or giving a few dollars to an older friend to buy alcohol was about as crazy as my 16-year-old conscience could handle. Being offered the chance to gamble with the big boys was a whole new temptation that I really couldn't understand well enough to prevent me from participating. While I had a good idea of what could happen in terms of losing a great deal of money, like $10,000 in Skip's case, I had never actually experienced the adrenaline rush of losing or winning money against other people, at least not like this. I couldn't not try it out, at least this time. Skip told me that while he didn't condone gambling underage, he also wasn't my father and therefore allowed me to place a small wager, I think it was $50, on that night's NFL game. While that amount of money was small change in the arena of professional gambling, $50 was the largest wager I had ever placed in my young life. I had the money, having saved up the week's tips, and at the time everything else I could have spent money on, golf, gas for my car, drive through meals, etc., all went out the window. What was even better was that I didn't even have to pay Skip the money right now. He just wrote my name in his notebook and a big, bold $50 on the top line of the page. As I look back and I also realize this was my first experience with the idea of credit. All I had to do was sit back and wait for the game to start. Work was a blur for the remainder of the afternoon and into the evening. I couldn't think of anything other than the NFL game, and Skip would stop by the bag room every so often to give me updates on injuries for the game, what the ESPN analyzers were saying about the star quarterback, and anything else to keep my level of excitement on the same level as his for the upcoming contest. He had an extra pep in his step all the way to kickoff at 8pm, when his excitement once again switched to anxiety and anticipation of the football game. I finished washing the driving range balls and walked back up to the pro shop to check out for the night. Skip, who was closing the shop that evening, ushered me into the pro shop and handed me a beer. What's this? I asked, knowing full well what it was and that Skip was looking for a drinking buddy that evening. Shut up and watch the game, Silky. This is going to be a blast. I've got a full cooler of beer from the restaurant, the game is on both TVs, and the game is just starting. Skip was a little less excited now than he was just a few hours earlier, but it didn't seem to matter much at the moment. I was 16, I was drinking a beer at work, and I was watching a professional football game that I had just wagered money on through a bookie. So I sat down in an office chair, put my feet up on a table, and watched. 
Skip sat behind the pro shop counter and kept his eyes on the parking lot just in case any members decided to stop by for a late night discussion with the pro shop. The game went on pretty quickly, and it was both the best and worst game I had ever witnessed for a variety of reasons. While I was, and still am, a huge football fan, I had never watched a game where I was a little drunk plus had a wager riding on it. Every incomplete pass, turnover, or touchdown caused both Skip and I to rejoice or curse at the television in a way that went a lot deeper than your average run-of-the-mill football fan. My hard-earned cash was at stake here. For example, when, when my team threw an interception in the end zone, ultimately leading to the other team scoring a touchdown, my heart sank. This was the first time I had started considering the possibility of losing $50 instead of winning, which immediately made me regret the wager. How could I have been so stupid? I'm never going to ever have $50 again in my life for as long as I live. I was being completely irrational. Then it happened. My team was down two points with only a few seconds left in the game, and we were within field goal range. The rest of the story played out like any other football game would in the history of the sport. My team drove down the field to within 15 yards of the goal. Time was running out, and just before it ran out, my team called a timeout. Skip and I had our eyes fixated on the television screen, knowing that if my team kicked a field goal, the game would be over and I would win my wager. After a commercial break, the field goal unit came onto the field, lined up, and the kicker sent the ball right through the goalposts. Players rejoiced on the field, and an intoxicated 16-year-old bagroom attendant was jumping up and down right along with him. I had just won the World Series, the Super Bowl, and the lottery in one glorious moment. I have only felt that level of excitement a handful of times since. But I was the only voice that evening in the Elberton Country Club Pro Shop. I noticed and turned around to see Skip sitting in his office chair behind the counter with his head in his hands. I walked over to him to see why he wasn't jumping around, and I immediately understood the opposite emotions of wagering money on a sporting event, especially when you needed a win. I understood what happens when $50 becomes much bigger later on in life, especially when bills need to be paid, food needs to be bought, and people's interests, such as a significant other, are important. When I looked at Skip just moments after my first experience with winning a bet, I also got my first experience with what can happen when the opposite happens. Skip was sitting there, crying into his hands. Clearly, he had needed that field goal to sail wide. I never learned how much Skip lost that evening, but it really didn't matter. He would eventually break even a couple years later, at least that's what I'm told, and any losses he experienced were recouped. I also learned that when he lost that night, his wife had recently discovered his gambling habits. While they are still married, that was certainly the most trying time in the relationship, I've been told. Skip was no longer gambling for the thrill of winning. That evening, he was placing his happiness in the lives of more than just him in his hands of Lady Luck and ultimately the foot of a professional football player. He had lost control of what he had held to be important in his life and was hoping for a miracle that would not come. Over the next few months, I admittedly placed another wager or two on a football game or a basketball game, but never to the extreme of needing the win to pay a bill or rent or anything like that. I would eventually lose a bet, pay my money to skip, and then move on to cleaning more clubs and filling more sand bottles. My days of high-stake gambling were sparkled and extinguished in the same evening, on the same play, in the same game. That experience, of course, was much more valuable than anything written in Skip's notebook. 
Oh, man, I remember that night. <laughs> I remember watching that football game uh, with Skip in the uh, in the pro shop. And ladies and gentlemen, Chapter 6, um, you know, it, it really spoke a lot in my mind. And now that I think back about when I was writing it, it spoke a lot to just some of the things that we used to do outside of the job. You know, I mean, we, we would hang out at the country club for hours. I, I remember starting in the morning at six in the morning and then not coming home until like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, because my shift had ended at two o'clock and we just hung out. Either we played golf or we watched, you know, football or basketball or whatever on TV and we placed bets and, you know, we got involved in some stuff that we probably shouldn't have got involved in. We played a lot of cards. I learned quite a few different games. Uh, you ever get invited to play between the sheets, don't do it. That's all I'm saying. And as I mentioned in the chapter, we, we had some some cash, but it wasn't anything crazy, and it was just anything that we had earned from the members uh, through tips and anything like that. So, you know, just thinking back on it now, I just I can't believe that we would do some of that stuff. But luckily... Uh, the man who I refer to as Skip, uh, he and I continue to stay in touch. He's he's a great guy, uh, love the man, and um, you know I'm glad that he was able to get away from from that notebook. I, and the notebook itself was just this big daunting yellow college ruled notebook that had a hardcover and it was really secretly kept away in in Skip's desk. And I still remember that day he showed me, uh, you know, all the names and the, the dollar amounts. And just it seemed like any pro that, that we had ever heard of was in that notebook. And so uh, it was a really tough lesson to learn, you know, in a weird way because I had won the bet, my bet. I would lost many others after that night. But just seeing how it affected somebody else, you know, that was really a crash course and, and just the ugly side of gambling. But... At any rate, you guys didn't know you're going to get a life lesson today. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, that was Chapter 6 of The Bag Room. I really appreciate your feedback, guys, and let me know what you thought about that. Uh, once again, apologies for skipping Chapter 5, but as I mentioned, uh, probably a good thing. Um, go out and reach out to me on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered. Send me any feedback you might have at our email address, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. And as I mentioned at the top of this episode, please feel free to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash golf unfiltered and consider supporting the show anything that uh, you guys provide will be used directly to making this podcast the best that it can be and i appreciate any support that you've provided up to this point and that you will continue to provide moving forward we'll be back again in just a few days with another guest until then folks this is your buddy adam signing off <laughs>